0: This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me prophesy concerning these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the lord this is what the lord god says to these bones i will cause breath to enter you and you will live i will put tendons on you make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin i will put breath in you so that you come to life then you will know that i am the lord so i prophesied as i had been commanded While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, The breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land, then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord.
1: Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these vivid um, images and visions that we get in the Bible, that invites us to use our imagination uh, to see life in a different way. Um, and Lord, I I ask that you would help us as we unpack this, these, um, these really important verses, Lord. And that uh, we, would, we would be sure that we're hearing from you this morning. Uh, we know that we need the breath of the Spirit to, to blow in our dry bones. Uh, we know that we need you. We know that we can do nothing without you. And so, Lord, I pray that, um, that we would experience this morning what we've just read about. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, just to mention that uh if um that we have this resource that we kind of leave at the back of the of the sanctuary and so if anyone wants to maybe go deeper uh in the passage that you've heard this morning uh these will be on the these are in the youtube show uh um in the youtube information in the description they're found in the podcast show notes and they're also available at the back of the sanctuary, so if you want to have further conversations as a family or as a couple or by yourself or if you want to make a grow group that's um, you know based around the sermons uh, where you have to do zero prep just show up and lead a conversation, then these are all there for you so that uh, Sunday morning isn't the only time that uh, you know you're engaging with the passage um, and also, just to say thank you to uh, Emma and to Curtis and the team, and to all of our folks working at the back uh, for uh, leading us in in worship. So far, it's been uh, wonderful, you know, to be singing these uh, songs that uh, at least have have helped me remember who who the Lord is and why uh, why we do what we do on a Sunday. Now we've uh, heard this phrase, most of us I'm sure, uh, about skeletons in the closet, you know. Um and when when we hear someone say that person's got skeletons in the closet, uh what it means is that they've got secrets, that he's got secrets, that she's got hidden things um from her past that she doesn't want anyone to find out. And when those things are found out then it's as if the you know the cupboard door opens or the closet door opens and the skeletons can be uh, seen Um, that's kind of what that phrase means Um, now wikipedia says that um, that uh, skeletons in your closet refers to an undisclosed fact about someone which if revealed would damage perceptions of that person hands up if you've got skeletons in in your closet i'm only kidding you don't have to put your hand up (laughs) i do <laughs> and uh yeah for sh- <laughs> yeah, there are things, yeah, yeah, we were just sharing some stories as as the worship team, some sharing some stories from from the past, and uh, some of them, I'm glad they're not public knowledge. if you want to ask me about them afterwards, I'd be happy to tell you it's just not proper for Sunday morning on the stage, but uh, something about a red speedo, anyway, you can ask me afterwards, <laughs> but we all have. Skeletons in our closets and uh, you know, and the whole idea is that you think that you know a person But if you were to truly get to know them truly find out about them You'd open the closet you'd see those skeletons hanging there and we've read enough news articles We've seen enough of the clickbait articles to not be surprised when the skeletons in someone's closet are exposed in fact when someone famous manages to make it all the way through life without um, any um you know shock news uh you know we're actually surprised that they managed to make it all the way through with their uh integrity intact um however what i want to talk about this morning is is a skeleton in our closet but it's a different type of skeleton and that skeleton that i want to talk about this morning uh, which can often be found hanging in our in our closet is our own struggle uh, our own struggle can be a skeleton in our closet. Our sadness can be a skeleton in our closet. Our, our melancholy can be a skeleton in our closet. Our sense of that maybe God's abandoned us, that can be a skeleton in our closet. And uh, so in this case, the skeleton in our closet kind of represents how we're doing spiritually, and lent is a great time to look at those skeletons in our closets it's a great time to be honest because lent is a natural time in the church calendar um, for self reflection lent was kind of created for self-reflection to slow down and to start looking a little bit more inside inside more than we might usually. Um, it's you know it's also a time to admit that we need God, that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves, and uh, it's a time for us to open up our closets so that God can deal with the bones that are found inside, and uh, so those uh, skeletons hanging in the closets of each of us need a saviour who was hanging. On a cross. That's really what we need. And this is what Lent's all about. So far in our Lenten boot camp, we've learned four lessons so far. First of all, we learned that we can know joy after sinning, but only as we confess our sins and uh, our key text there was uh, psalm 32 verse 5 i said i will confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin we then learned through Abraham's example how to reset forwards and we do this by acknowledging our debt to a previous generation as well as bringing the next generation along with us our third lesson at boot camp was that we get we have the power To name the season that we're in and uh, so it's important that we get the name right and it hinges on whether we trust in God or not so if we trust in God then this season this place can be called Rephidim which means a place of rest however if we choose to complain and not trust God then this place gets renamed and it's called Meriba and Massa which is translated testing and and complaining However, at our boot camp, it's not just about getting the name right. It's also about getting your eyes checked. As we learnt last week, we heard that humans do not see uh, what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And we looked at the account of the blind man in John chapter 9. And if you think that God healing the blind is pretty amazing, which it is, then this week strap in because what we're going to be hearing about is how God raises the dead. God raises the dead. Now, when I talk about that, of course, He can do that on a on an actual level, on a physical level. I truly believe that. But what I'm talking about this this morning is the metaphorical dead, is the spiritually dead, is those who used to be alive with hope and possibility, but who now are, to all intents and purposes, lying in a grave. They are dead. They are deceased. And what I mean by that is people who are so down, who are so depressed, who are so without hope, who are so despondent, who are so heavy hearted, so forlorn, so miserable that it's as if they are a pile of bones lying in a grave at the bottom of a pit. It's as if they're a skeleton hanging in their own own closet. And, And God asks us the question, can these bones live again? Is there any hope? And for this, we're moving in our lectionary readings to Ezekiel 37. And the verse that kind of sets the context for this chapter is verse 11, which says this. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house, are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are, we, we are cut off. Uh, Pastor Landon Dowden explains He says that at this point, they've been in exile for at least 12 years. Jerusalem has fallen. The temple has been destroyed. Many have been slaughtered. And despite all Ezekiel has preached to them, they have lost hope. It's a bit, you know, to help us understand what that may be like. It's a bit like the Ukrainians who've had to leave their home. They are, they are, they are, they are out of their home and they're seeing their home being ravaged. It might look something like that. Only it's been going on for 12 years. And this is the skeleton that many of us have in our closets. The skeleton of losing hope. And if this is you, my friend, then I want you to hear this. That God sees this and God knows this. Because as we heard last week, humans do not see what the Lord sees. The humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees inside your closet. So let's look at verse 1 of Ezekiel 37. And as I'm reading, what I'd like you to do is to try to close your eyes and imagine being there in the vision that you're seeing it at the same time as Ezekiel sees it. It's as if you're seeing it through Ezekiel's eyes. It's like an ancient history, virtual reality headset. That's kind of what you're seeing. So, you know, try to see and hear and smell and feel, uh, you know, how does it feel under your feet? What can you smell? What can you see? Um, And, you know, really try to get into the headspace of what Ezekiel may have seen and heard and smelt and felt. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? You can open your eyes if you had them closed. Um, in the in the 2000s i remember reading the books uh this this present darkness and piercing the darkness Um, and these novels are about a pastor whose prayers or lack of prayers actually have an impact on the unseen spiritual realm around him so there's angels and there's demons they're fighting it out and when 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 people pray when this pastor prayed the heavenly battle would shift and What these novels, whether you agree with all of the theology or not, what these novels tried to do and they did very successfully was to pull back the curtain that exists between us who live largely on the visible physical plane and the beings who largely inhabit the unseen spiritual plane. And I remember that these novels changed how I prayed, at least for a time, because it painted a picture of how my prayers, how our prayers, actually affect this ongoing war in the spiritual realm. And the impression that was left on me after reading the books was that too often I'm concerned with what is happening on a visible le- level while missing what's really going on. And in Ezekiel 37, we have... we. Have the curtain pulled back in the same way so that we can see the reality behind the reality. You see, um, on the physical level, we have a nation in exile who have given up all hope. We see people trudging out day to day and they do their work, they eat their meals, they go home, they raise their families. This is what we see On the physical level, however, on the spiritual plane or the metaphysical plane, we have a valley full of skeleton bones. We have closets full of skeletons who've lost hope. And I love that in his grace that the Holy Spirit pulls back this curtain so that we can really see what's going on. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by his spirit, set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. He then said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. And as we look at the skeletons of lost hope in our closets, God turns to us and he asks us the same question. He says, my child, can these bones live? What would your answer be? Or what should Ezekiel's answer have been? Well surely if he's a man of faith then Ezekiel's answer should have been yes Lord for you are the almighty omnipotent God of the universe. However I think when we come face to face with our own uh, spiritual death or the spiritual death of those around us and God asks us the question can these bones live? When you look at a hopeless case I really don't think that a trite sunday school answer is the right answer and so i appreciate that ezekiel was honest that his answer was rather cautious he said lord god only you know now i remember last year that we as a family went through a season of lord god only you know now i'm not at liberty to share what went on but there was an ongoing situation in our extended family that forced us into a place of humility where we did not know how it was going to turn out. In the words of the prophet, we did not know whether these bones were going to live again. And those moments are scary. These moments are uncertain. You, you, you cannot just faith your way through them. There's an enforced humbling that comes in these situations, that comes in these seasons. And I found that in, that in that season, in my Lord God only you know season, that there was hardly a waking moment where I did not have the specter of this skeleton hanging over me. It's, it's not that it filled every thought necessarily, but it was never far away. And we don't really know how it was going to turn out. But whichever whichever way it went would potentially affect the rest of our lives. And many of you know this feeling. And so in, in that season, my faith life would actually vacillate. It would change. I would be trusting God and holding on to him. And then these kind of cold chills of fear would set in almost straight away afterwards. And if God had asked me, can these bones live? My honest and most faithful answer at that time would have been, Lord God, only you know. Because you cannot force an outcome. Because you cannot faith your way out of these moments. Those visions of bones look very, very real. But then after asking the question can these bones live again god does this incredible thing rather than magically clicking his fingers and fixing the situation or on the other hand magically clicking his fingers and writing off the situation he instead gets his prophet involved verse 4 he said to me prophesy concerning these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the lord this is what the lord god says 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 to the bones i will cause breath to enter you and you will live I will put tendons on you make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you so that you come to life then you will know that I am the Lord and Ezekiel he obeys so I prophesied as I had been commanded and God then begins a death reversal while I was prophesying Verse number seven, while I was, uh, yeah, so I prophesied as I'd be commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew. Can you see that image in your mind? It's kind of like a horror movie. Uh, flesh grew and skin and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then God initiates phase two of the coming back to life. Verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. God, in these few verses, has reversed the death sentence. Through the words of his prophet, God has turned a valley of bones into an army ready to serve now that is the allegory but as i've said this is not just an allegory it's not just a nice image verse 11 says son of man these bones are the whole house of israel look how they say our bones are dried up our hope has perished we are we are cut off and for us, when we read Ezekiel 37, it's not just a nice allegory because there are real skeletons in our closets that, that aren't any less real because they're not actually physical. Our bones have, are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. And in this moment, we don't just need resuscitating. We need God to reconstitute our bones into a body and for, for his breath of life to be breathed into us. We need a creation event. That's, that's, that's what we're seeing in Ezekiel 37. We're seeing a creation event. We're seeing a, re, a recreation event. And maybe you can relate to that this morning. Verse 12. Therefore prophesy and and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. So the Valley of Dry Bones is not just a metaphor. It's a spiritual representation of a a physical reality that is impossible to change. I think it was last year that I read the book The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun, a Chinese Christian whom God has used to bring revival and plant whole networks of churches, of underground churches in China in the 80s and the 90s. It's an incredible, incredible read. And as a little sidebar, he's actually going to be speaking at Southgate, uh, our sister church over in Kempville, uh, on the evening of Wednesday, the 19th of April. And uh, his story is, absolutely incredible and uh, i just find it absolutely amazing he's he's like a superstar and he's speaking only 10 minutes from here and so if you want to hear about what god has been doing through the underground church in china then make sure that you do not miss this it is it is worth going to but regarding hopeless situations in chapter 16 of the heavenly man uh, this this chapter is called God pours out his his awesome power, and in this chapter, brother Yun recounts this event. He says, in Anhui province, more than two thousand people gathered for a meeting. Four people who were considered demon possessed by everyone who knew them were brought there in in the front of the meeting while I was speaking. For years, nobody had been able to control them. Doctors and specialists had tried to cure them, but they only got worse. One of these men was a terrible scourge to the church. He frequently tried to murder the pastor. I'm glad we don't have someone like that here. If there is, please exercise restraint. But he frequently tried to murder the pastor and demanded that the pastor bow down and worship the demons inside him. He was considered so dangerous so that the police handcuffed him during his worst spells. All the believers had been praying for this man for some time, but he was no better. When we prayed for these four afflicted people in Jesus' name, three people were instantly set free. The man with the murderous spirit, however, he put a great struggle. And so we continued to pray fervently for his deliverance until four o'clock in the morning. But he just continued to curse and shout out threats. He especially wanted to kill me, said Brother Yun. The powers of darkness inside that man taunted me by saying, you say you have power over demons, but you can't cast me out. This is my home and I'm not going anywhere for hours. We used every, every technique we could think of. We prayed many kinds of prayers, but nothing worked. Finally, out of sheer frustration, we all gave up. We sat down and we said, Lord, we can't do anything. Suddenly, while we were all sitting down, in, in our defeat, the spirit of God came upon us and the demon-possessed man started shaking uncontrollably. We jumped to our feet and laid hands on the man. Immediately, the demons left him. We learned a lesson that morning when we arrived at the end of our own strength. It is not defeat but the start of tapping into God's boundless resources. It's when we are weak that we are strong in God. You can hear that? When we arrive at the end of our own strength, it is not defeat, but the start of tapping into God's boundless resources. Is there anything more pathetic and useless and weak than a pile of dry bones or a skeleton in the closet? one of the questions that we should always ask when we read scripture is how do we apply this how do i apply what i've just read into my own life and when i'm reading a passage like ezekiel 37 i don't know about you but i get confused because when i read ezekiel 37 i'm not sure who i'm supposed to be in the passage who do i relate to i'm not sure who we are i'm not sure who you are in the passage do i speak to you and to me as the prophet the one with words of life and power that god is calling us to pronounce words of truth and power over hopelessness and over spiritual death are we the prophet are there situations in your life and the lives of the people around you that need a good dose of god's spirit of god's ruach of god's breath of life and the answer is probably yes so perhaps i'm speaking to you as a prophet of the word poised ready to speak god's words of life over over dead situations and dead and dead people if this is you then i encourage you not to stop because you need the courage to know that god is still turning impossible situations around 1 Corinthians 2 says this, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you, here it is, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. God Through the spoken word, God, through the prophetic word, through truth verbalized, raises the dead back to life. So maybe you need to hear this. However, this morning, perhaps you're not the prophet, perhaps you are the bones. Perhaps you're the people who have lost hope. Perhaps you've been in exile for far too long. Perhaps you're lying at the bottom of a valley in some kind of a mass grave. Perhaps you own a closet in which hangs a skeleton of hopelessness. Now, one of the consequences of not moving or sitting, too one, or sitting too long in one spot is that your muscles start to atrophy. And part of the, of the recovery process is to enter into a process of rehab that stimulates the muscles and builds them up again and, and really gets them working again. But how do you rehabilitate bone? How do you rehabilitate a bunch of dry skeletons into a person and not just a person but a living breathing person how do you do this on a mass level so that many sets of bones are transformed into an army of living breathing people it can only be an act of god bones are helpless bones lie there waiting for the spirit of god to breathe life into them there is a there is a depth of hopelessness that not even the follower of Christ is free from. Even the follower of Christ can reach such a place that they're as if they are bones lying at the bottom of a valley. And Paul knew this. He said, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were so completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, so much so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We put we have put our hope in him so that he will deliver us again while you join in helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. So which do you relate to? The prophet or the bones? And really, if we learn anything in this passage, what we learn is that Ezekiel is the prophet who speaks to the bones, but in, the, in a sense, he's also the bones themselves because he's part of the house of Israel which is in exile and isn't this true of us that so often the truth that we speak is the truth that we need to experience is the truth that we absolutely desperately need to hear you know we you know we say to other people that God loves them unconditionally but do we tell ourselves that We say to others that God can bring life out of death and hope out of hopelessness. But do we tell ourselves that? Do we receive the message ourselves? Do we preach the gospel to ourselves? When I read this passage, my first instinct is to see myself as Ezekiel, as the prophet who God uses to pronounce life into the valley of death. Yet too often, if I'm honest, I'm probably the bones. Our bones are dried up our hope has perished we are cut off I'm the one who's lying helpless and in need of someone to speak God's words of life over me who's in need of the resurrecting power of God's God's breath of life in me some days we feel like the prophets some days we're more like the bones son of man can these bones live I replied Lord God only you know. And in these moments, there's, there, there, there is no bargain to be made. There's no, no transaction to be done. There's, no, there's, there's nothing we can say. We just lie there and we hear the word of God and we trust that in the goodness of God that he will breathe his breath, his spirit into us. And so, as we get ready to respond in song and in sincerity, I want to 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 speak these words of an old hymn over you and over me, as we are the bones that uh, we would hear these words, and that God would breathe His breath of life into us, and so. However you feel comfortable, you know, if you want to read along with the words on the screen, that's fine. If you want to just close your eyes and just receive these words as a prayer, as a blessing, as a benediction over you. Oh, breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive your church with life and power. O oh, breath of life, come cleanse, renew us and fit your church to meet this hour O wind of God come bend us break us till humbly we confess our need then in your tenderness remake us revive restore for this we plead O breath of love come breathe within us renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, afresh to win us. Revive your church in every part. O heart of Christ, once broken for us, tis there we find our strength and rest. Our broken, contrite hearts now solace. And let your waiting church be blessed. And then the last verse says this Revive us, Lord, is zeal abating while harvest fields are vast and white. Revive us, Lord, the world is waiting. Equip your church to spread the light. I'll just sing verse one again. O oh, breath of life, come sweeping through us, revive your church with life and power. O oh, breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit your church to meet this hour. Verse two. O oh, wind of God, come bend us, break us till humbly we confess our need. Then in your tenderness remake us, revive, restore, for this we plead. O breath of love, come breathe within us, renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, afresh to win us. Revive your church in every part. O heart of Christ, once broken for us, tis there we find our strength and rest our broken contrite hearts now solace and let your waiting church be blessed last verse revive us lord is zeal abating while harvest fields are vast and white revive us lord the world is waiting equip your church to spread the light let's praise the worship team comes up lord jesus holy spirit actually i'm praying to the holy spirit i'm not praying to jesus i'm praying to the holy spirit holy spirit would you move would you uh would you sweep our hearts would you bring life where there are bones? Where there are bones, you see an army. Lord, there's nothing that we can do. We cannot faith our way out of this. We cannot will our way out of this. You know, we cannot climb out of the valley through sheer willpower. All that we can do is lie there and say, Lord, please move. Move. we are helpless we are hopeless we are useless we have fallen apart our bones are dry we ask the question or you ask the question son of man can these bones live and we reply lord god only you know We say our bones are dried up our hope has perished we are cut off our bones are dry our hope has perished we are cut off Lord our bones are dry our hope has perished we are cut off